Hi everybody, my name's Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Happy New Year! How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Can I see your hand? Okay, I see those five hands. How many of you who raised your hand have broken it already? (laughs) Okay. Well, I have a slide to begin this morning that I thought would be very appropriate for the new year. The top represents your resolutions for this year. The bottom represents what often happens to us that we can't control. And so often, our resolutions, if you're like me, are about trying to have some semblance of control over our lives, right? We want to make plans. We want to do things to better our life. And then life happens. And we find ourselves responding to our circumstances. And this morning, brothers and sisters, I have such a good word for you from Psalm 143. I like to call it the I love you Psalm. 143. Psalm 143. And it really is David's vibrant prayer over and against the circumstances in his life. Because clearly, as David begins, and I love this about David, if you are looking for language to pray and you are in a dark place, boy, just go to the Psalms. David captures so many of our emotions as we go to God, and he is so honest with God. And that's really what David shows us, is that we can be honest with God. I think sometimes we come in and we get rather formal with God. We even talk differently when we talk to God. And the reality is our God is our daddy. He is our daddy, and he wants to hear exactly where we are. And that's how David starts out. And as he makes his way through this psalm, what we're going to talk about today is really what inspired me in my book, When Changing Nothing Changes Everything. These lenses that can help us see our lives the way God sees our lives. Because we only see one-dimensionally. But we know our God, he sees multi-dimensionally. And if we could just get a glimpse of how he sees if we could have some lenses that could possibly help us when we confront these difficult circumstances, I maintain that it can help you so much. So who's in for having a resolution this year that would require you to change nothing about your life? Who's in for that? Okay, yeah, me too. But what we want to do is change the way you actually look at the life you've been given by God. And so as we begin this morning, I'm going to just start with a prayer, and I'm going to invite the Lord to speak to you exactly where you need to hear his word this morning. Let's pray. Lord, here we are, first Sunday of the new year. And God, we confess that new starts bring so much hope But I bet there are some people sitting here today that are almost afraid to hope because of so many disappointments, so many hardships that have happened. 
Circumstances beat us down, Lord, but you are greater than our circumstances. And that is where David ultimately gets in this psalm. So I pray that you breathe hope into every single person who made their way through the rain here today. God, would you speak the word that you have for each person here, which is going to be different because we all have different stories, but you are such a personal God, so big and yet so small. You know our stories intimately, and you love us. And so we're just thankful for this time. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So actually, in your program today is the whole entire psalm underneath each of the points as you're following through. So you can follow through either with a Bible or with your program. But we're going to start with verse 1, and Peter already uh, gave us the whole entire psalm. But here's where David starts. He says, O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart is dismayed. In the Hebrew, these words mean, Lord, this sucks. Not really, but in my Hebrew, it means that. And the reality is, is that David is not afraid to tell God that his circumstances are beating him down. Don't you love that? David, who's proclaimed a man after God's own heart, right there in Scripture, we find that he is not afraid to be honest with God. And we shouldn't be afraid to be honest either. And we also shouldn't be afraid to be honest with each other. I think, unfortunately, social media has made it so hard for us to be real with each other because you just flat out assume that everybody around you right now is doing better and is more perfect than they actually are. It's true. I used to come to church, and I was single, and I would see all these people with families and their kids, and I would go, oh, Lord, if only I could be like them. And what I know now that I've actually raised a child is that they were looking at me and saying, oh, Lord, what I wouldn't give for one day like her. (laughs) And we do this because we make assumptions about each other's lives. And the reality is, because I've written books on pain, I know every single person has pain. It just comes in different packages. So you can just assume when you walk into church, rather than assuming that everybody else is doing perfectly, just assume that they are wounded warriors just like you, making their way to church despite what's happening in their life because they are here for the hope that God gives us in the midst of our circumstances. And that is the hope that David longs for. That's the first point, to have hope in the middle of the story. See, here's what we do. We get into circumstances, and they define us. We feel like this is our life. This is my life. It's never going to change. And the reality is, it always changes. You are simply in one chapter in a greater story. And David actually indicates that when he says this. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. See, he knows that God is going to come to his relief, that eventually he won't be where he is right now. That is his window of hope. 
And what you need to realize if you're in the middle of a dark season is that you are simply in the middle of your story. Some of you need to hear this morning that your story isn't over. So would you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, your story isn't over. Would you just proclaim that to them? Your story isn't over. For some of you, you could leave right now because that is just what you needed to hear. We get so overwhelmed that this is it. This is my life. It's going to go on like this forever. Brothers and sisters, I see a lot of gray heads in this room. And mine would be gray too if it wasn't colored. So the reality is you live long enough, you realize things always change. And God will take you through whatever season you're in. And he is faithful. He is faithful no matter how long your season goes. And for me, as many of you know, for me it was singleness. It's not the same package for everybody else, but it was a long, long season of singleness, way past when I would have liked to get married. It wasn't until 49 that I finally got married. And I actually got engaged when I was 42, and people thought that was old. Then I got unengaged at 43 because he and his ex-wife got reconciled, which is a great story when you're not the girl engaged to the guy. (laughs) I had my wedding dress. I had bridesmaids' dresses. We had furniture in the home. I had had two bridal showers. He was away, um, actually deployed for some time. And when he came back and, and, and we broke up, I was left in this chapter that I know there are people here today that are walking that kind of chapter. It may not look the same, but they're tough chapters. And I was clinging to God. Sometimes I would just roll out of bed and right onto the floor. And I would echo these words that David said, vibrantly, God, I believe you. I know you're real and I'm holding on to you. Even in spite of the fact that it looks like you are not real. It really looked like that in my life. And if it looks like that to you, that's because you're focused on your circumstances and not on the God of your circumstances. Because he may not operate in your timeline or the way you want him to, but brothers and sisters, he's at work. And your story isn't over. So you have hope in the middle of your story. Where does David go next? Verse 5, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. David looks back, and that's one of the lenses in my book, the rear view lens. Sometimes you don't see what God is doing right now. It feels like he's not even there. It feels like he's not even real, and so you need to look back and remember how faithful he's been to you. Do you know that if you look at that word remember throughout the Old Testament, that is what God called the Israelites to do again and again and again. It was when they forgot what God did that they lost their way, right? That happened to them when they they parted through the Red Sea. This is the most unbelievable story to us, isn't it? I mean, they had just seen an entire sea part. They walked through it, and within months... They are looking at at Moses going, why have you brought us out here to die? If only we could go back to Egypt where we were slaves. It was so great there. Why can't we go back? They forgot what God had done. Some of you need to remember. I don't know how you're doing that, but maybe it's journals. You know what the Israelites used to do is they used to pile stones 
because they'd be walking along, and you read this throughout Genesis, and they would meet God. God would do something, and they would pile stones. They would make a stone altar so that when other Israelites passed through, because everybody was on foot, they would see these piles of stones, and they knew that God was faithful. He had been in that place. Brothers and sisters, that's why we go to church. You don't come here to warm a pew. Maybe some of you came here to get some heat, but we come here because we are clinging to each other. Because when you don't see God's faithfulness in your own life, you need to remember that God is faithful. And sometimes you need to look at other people's lives. That's why we're a community. We do this together. God calls us to remember. Well, maybe some of you are saying, Lori, I don't want to remember. There's some pain in my memories. Yes, that's true. But as time passes, you begin to get a different perspective on that pain, don't you? You see what God did through that pain. You see that he did something in you that wouldn't have happened had you not gone through that pain. You have an empathy for people that you wouldn't have had you not experienced that pain. You see how God uses that pain because your pain is perfectly packaged to minister to somebody else. Did you know that? Your greatest pain is your greatest ministry because when you've gone through something, who do you want to talk to but somebody who has been through it too? So maybe some of you need to remember those places of pain because that is where you can most effectively minister to others. And I know that sometimes you look back and it's confusing. I can remember just prior to my first engagement, of course, I had people, including Gary Gadini, all over the country praying for me, oh, Lord, have mercy and bring this girl a husband. I'm not kidding. And, and I was doing these youth worker seminars with a, an organization called Youth Specialties, and I was doing one in New Jersey. And it was about 400 youth workers, and I would talk all day, four sessions, all by myself. So at lunch, I would literally hide away in the office and just try not to talk. And I remember I sent them all out for their subway lunch, and there was one woman who stayed behind. And I said, well, can I, can I help you? And usually people would talk to me about their youth ministries, and she came up to me. And she said, you know, I, I wanted to go to lunch and just mind my own business, but the Lord wouldn't let me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then she came up to me, and she took my hand, and she said, the Lord is going to bring you a husband. Now, I'm just going to pause here and say, I was the youth pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley at the time. And I want to tell you that in the Presbyterian Church, we don't have prophecies. We have meetings about prophecies and when they are to occur. Because everything happens in order, right? And I was like, okay, this is, you know, this wasn't some, a part of my experience, you know. She's grabbing my hand. I'm not even talking about marriage. I'm talking about youth ministry. And she says, the Lord is going to bring you a husband. Names the deepest desire of my heart. And she said these words. I'll never forget them. She said, he will love you as Christ loves the church. He will take your head to his chest and he will protect you, and he will be a support to your ministry. I have to tell you, when she finished, I had tears streaming down my cheek. I, did, I don't even know her name. I will never meet her. I don't know who she was. I never saw her again. And I have to tell you, a year later, or no, it was like four months later when I met my 
uh, person who would become my fiance. I was like, I cannot believe this. And a year and a half later, when we broke up, I wanted to call the lady from New Jersey. You know, there were a couple things you left out of your prophecy. The whole breakup part, you know, that wasn't really in it. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, and this is what's weird about God. He's so big. His stories are so big. They're so far beyond our stories. The prophecy actually did come true. And you're going to meet him at the end of my sermon. But, and here's the word for somebody who's here today, only after it didn't come true. And all the stuff in between, from when it didn't come true to when it did come true, was the most important stuff of all when it came to my faith. Because it was at that point that I was holding on to God in spite of my circumstances. That's what the rearview lens allows you to do. Because you look back and you know God is faithful. And even if you're not experiencing it right now, you know you will again. You know you will again. And you come here on Sunday and you hold hands with other believers and you say, I am trusting God. I don't care how long you've been praying for something. You keep praying. You keep holding on because God is faithful. He is. He's just not on our timeline. That's the rearview lens, and that is the God that David calls on. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on your works. I consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Some of us have been there. And then where does David go next? Jump to verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. This is the present view lens. This is where we live. This is where our God is. He knows no time. He's outside of time, so he's always in the here and now. Some of you right now are thinking about what you did before you got here. Some of you are thinking about the lunch you're going to have afterwards. Some of you are thinking about fights you've been in. You're, you're somewhere else. You're not here, but God is always here. He's always in the now. He brought you here to be in the now with him. In Exodus 3, if you look at that, you know, Moses has this dialogue with, with God in the burning bush, and you know he's 80 years old at the time. Some of you who just turned 80, your life may just be beginning. I'm just saying. He got to that bush, and he heard what he was supposed to do. They had all been praying for God to deliver the Israelites. He said, Moses, I'm sending you. No way. I have been a retired shepherd for a long time, God. No way. And then, of course, a series of questions. How will I know? How will I know? Give me a sign. All of these things that Moses is asking this talking bush. And God says to him, when he says, well, who will I tell Pharaoh sent me? And you can look at it in Exodus 3. He says, tell him I am sent you. Honestly, if you look at that verse, it sounds like God is speaking in the wrong tense. 
But I have come to learn that God lives in that wrong tense. He's always in the present. He's saying to Moses, Moses, I can't give you what you need right now because I'm going to give you what you need when you get there. I'm with you right now. I'm always with you. I'm in the here and now. And if you're anywhere else, you're trying to be there without God. That is why we get stressed when we think about the future because we're projecting ourselves into a place that God isn't there yet. He's with you here and now. And he'll be with you when you get there. Living in the present means being aware of the doors that are opening around you. Some of you are in the middle of a difficult season and you've got your your eyes focused on a door that you want to see open. I've been there. I know. And you know what? Sometimes God wants you to take your eyes off that door and put them on him because there's another door that he wants to open for you. And what I've discovered is that sometimes that door actually leads to that door, which leads to that door, which could, in fact, lead to the door you're looking for. It's just a different route. And if you don't stay with God in the present, you'll miss what he's doing in the now. I just think about, what if I had just sat on a couch waiting for a guy to show up with a rose? 49 years of sitting on a couch. You know what? I got myself out of bed, and I lived life. I always felt like I was living without a leg or an arm, and some of you feel that way. You're in that season. I understand, but you know what? you got to get up and live because God has a plan for you right now. He's always in the present, and we need to live in the present with him. I have to tell you just a quick funny story. When I was, uh, after my engagement broke up, four months, uh, I ended up going back to the apartment that I had already thought I was moving out of, and all my shower gifts were still in the garage. My wedding dress was in my mom's closet. I mean, it was just, it was not a fun time. And I got this call from this pastor in Santa Barbara named John Ireland, who's a great friend of Gary Godini's. And he was like, Lori Pollitt, I heard you got married. I'm like, nope. He goes, well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm actually calling because we were praying about this new position at our church and your name came up. And I'm wondering if you're interested. I wasn't looking for a job. But I heard prayer and my name in the same sentence, and I'm like, God, I am so lost right now. I have no idea. I'm going to go up there and check it out. So I went to Santa Barbara, but before I left, I was going on a run, and I always would do the same you know, path. You always pass the same people, and I passed this guy with his dogs, and I said, guess what? I'm moving to Santa Barbara, and he goes, oh, no. I said, what do you mean, oh, no? Santa Barbara's beautiful. He goes, oh, no. There are no single people in Santa Barbara. (laughs) He goes, Santa Barbara is the home of the newlywed and nearly dead. You are never, ever going to meet anybody in Santa Barbara. I'm like, perfect. That's why God's sending me there. Well, I'm here to tell you something. Brothers and sisters, we have a big God. I don't care where he sends you. What he's going to do, he's going to do. It doesn't matter. Even if all the circumstances line up against it. He is going to have his way. And that was where I met my husband, was in Santa Barbara, where there's no single people. And at 49 years old, I finally, finally got married and wore the dress that hung in my mom's closet for five years. I had the right dress, I just had the wrong guy. And I will tell you that my story is a story of brokenness coming together, because that is the God we have. He's never through Your story isn't over. I don't care how old you are. If you got up this morning and you're still breathing, your story isn't through. 
God has you here for a reason. I don't know what it is, but you ask him if you don't know. That is the present view. Let God guide your steps. Live with him in the present. And then the last thing, Psalm 143.11, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies. Destroy my foes. Let's read it together. For I am your servant. Isn't that interesting language? Not you are my servant. You are my Santa Claus God, and you're up there to give me everything I want. No, no. Roles are reversed, and this is the higher view lens. It's saying that, you know what? I'm not the center of my life. God, God is where the center is, and I'm here to serve him in dark times and in good times. God, give me your eyes to see what you have for me. And now I'm going to introduce to you the prophecy. He's going to come up here, and you're going to see, so you can come on up, babe. And you're going to see that this prophecy did come true. And, and that uh, we got away for our 15-year-old is old enough. He's staying with his sister. So I said, babe, I want you to sing the last point. This is the last point of the sermon. So I'm going to invite you to listen to these words. Some of you know them by Brandon Heath. And I want you to listen to them because this is what the higher view lens brings us to do. Down from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seen in the house tonight Touched down in a cold black tile Hold on for the sudden stop Breathe in the familiar shock Of confusion and chaos And are those people Open someone I can't help it now Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted Ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Step down on a busy street See a girl and I rise me Does her best to smile at me to hide what's underneath And there's a man just to her right Black suit in a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time And are those people going somewhere? Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity 
Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. 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 Been here a million times, a couple of million miles. Just moving past me by, I swear I never thought that I was wrong. Well, I want a second glance, so give me a second chance to see the way you see the people all alone. Give me your eyes for just one second, give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Give me your eyes, Lord, give me your eyes for everything that I keep missing. Give me your arms for the And so, Lord, that's where we end. Our prayer is that you would give us your eyes. Help us see the things we're missing. Help us know we're here for a purpose. Even my dear brothers and sisters that are struggling through this time, God, you've given us language to be honest, but then we've got to get up and live the life you have for us. Help us have courage in 2019 and help us see the bigger life you've called us to. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.